Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. Well, I'm glad you're here today and uh, the ushers are handing something out. You should each be getting a sermon handout along with a little spoon. Don't, do not use that for your food, okay? That's for um, something later in our sermon. So just hold on to that spoon. Don't stir your coffee with it. Don't stir your tea. Just hold on to it. Amen. Uh, while we're doing that, I did want to, before we get into the sermon this morning, I did want to just make a couple quick announcements. We have a couple of, uh, in addition to the new move we're making, how many are excited about that? Yeah. Excited like Pastor Rick? We're going to have nice, nice, comfy padded chairs. More of you are going to be able to fall asleep now when I'm preaching because it'll be so comfy. We're going to have a heater that works in there. I apologize again here. It's always cold or it's hot. There's no in between. Uh, We're we're getting to the mountaintop. Amen. (laughs) So, but what I wanted to mention today is we have a couple of uh, different leaders that I want to announce publicly here. And if I can have, first of all, if I can have Ivy come up here, come up here to the front, give her a big hand. We have... I want to officially recognize her today so that everybody sees she is our official small group leader, okay? What that means is we're going to hopefully have an abundance of other small groups, and I want her to just take the point, not necessarily teach them, but just help in creating them, maybe facilitate, whatever it is that she can do and be a blessing to our church. I want to just funnel through Ivy. How many know that she's taken the step of faith and she's taught Bible studies and is teaching one right now? I want to encourage you to come out to our house and on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock and check that out. So give her a big hand again. Thank you so much, Ivy. And then uh, next, I want to recognize... Uh, We have a men's group that is officially launching, and we have two co-leaders that have just said, Pastor Rick, I want to help facilitate that. And I want to have Gregory Remazal and Alex Vasquez come on up here, give them a big hand as they come up here to the front. These two men, men, who's a man in here? Raise your hand if you're a man in here. Okay, You, you are now on their hit list, okay? They will be contacting you for, for breakfast, for movies, uh, I don't know, maybe baseball games, I, I don't know, what, fishing, the different activities that we as men can do because, okay now guys, don't get carried away now. How about a warrior's yeah, oh, Talk to them. But here's what I know about what the Bible says about men. Iron sharpens iron. Each of us together are better together. And so that's why these two are now going to co-lead the men's group. And so they'll be contacting you via text, maybe a phone call, and just inviting you to different things coming up. So give them a big hand again. Amen. Thank you, guys. I'm excited. I'm excited. Amen. 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 All right. Well, if everybody's got their outline... And um, their spoon, we can begin. So, last week I started the series. I titled it, Discovering and Living a Meaningful Life. How many were here last week? Raise your hand. And how many enjoyed that beautiful testimony from Garland? Wasn't that awesome? If you didn't hear it, it's on SoundCloud. In fact, I think May posted it on Facebook as well. And it's a beautiful testimony because I know the man. I've known him since 2009, 
And to see the growth in him, I'm proud of you, Garland. Extremely proud of you. So give him a big hand again. You don't know how hard that was just to have him come up and put a microphone in his hand and speak. That was difficult alone, not to mention the, the, the journey of faith that it's taken him to get to that point. So again, I'm so proud of him. But just like he shared with us last week, he didn't know what his purpose was. He began to ask God, well, what's the point of living? Anybody here ever ask that? Ever just maybe question yourself, why am I here? You know, and, and for a lot of us, we're, we're in our 20s. We, we, we get away from home for the first time, possibly, or maybe even younger. And you leave the shelter of your parents where they, they took care of you. And now you're on your own and you're trying to discover what it is that you're supposed to do in your life. And here your 20s go by. Then you're in your 30s, your 40s, maybe even your 50s. And you still don't know what that purpose is. And that's okay. That's okay because what I've learned, though, is that it takes those, those storms of life that we all go through that give you the wisdom to be able to apply it in your purpose. Amen? How many have seen that in their life? Yes. You know, God, or everybody's, I, I believe, on a quest in their lifetime to discover what that purpose is. Why am I here, Lord? Why am I here? You have meaning. Every one of you have meaning in your life. Now, some of us wanted to just be happy, have a happy life. And that's part of it. You know, it's, it's not just about being happy. Remember the old song, be happy. You know, the old uh, uh, reggae type of song it went on, be happy. And, and that's a simple, nice message. But life isn't just about being happy. How many know that? Right. God wants to give you fullness, which is much more than just happiness. Happiness is just for a season anyways. And so we're all on that journey. We're all on that journey. Not only did Garland eloquently state that last week, but I can just relate. When I was a little kid, I thought my purpose was I was going to be a, what was I going to, I was going to be an archaeologist, right? I wanted to be an archaeologist. First, it was an astronaut. Started with an A first. And then an archaeologist. I wanted to do archaeology so bad. And then later I thought, no, I'm going to be the shortstop for the San Francisco Giants. That's what my purpose was. And then um, I can look back and I've had, I've had different careers. I, was, I, worked, um, I worked as a butcher when I was a teenager. I was a butcher. And then I worked uh, pouring concrete. for. Uh, I was a laborer for a couple years. I did that, built part of the Napa College when it was being built just a couple years ago. And then I went and then I worked on a, a dredger out in the water. And these are all different careers I've had. And then uh, after that, I worked in the winery. I was a winery maintenance guy. And then I became a, a machine riddler. Look that up. For the largest sparkling wine producer, I was a, the riddling manager uh, for this company for 20 years. Production manager of a fruit company, a uh, food company. Uh, production planner there as well. Also a uh, estimator for a construction company, my brother-in-law's construction company. Uh, an estimator for a plumbing company for a short while. I've had various careers. No wonder I'm tired. <laughs> but through that experience, God's given me, and as, as I look back, experience and wisdom and pointed me to my purpose here. Did I mention I was also a business owner as a massage therapist for 19 years? I did that as well. 
And in addition, God's led me through all of those to discover what my purpose was. Amen. But it didn't, it, it, it didn't click in here until I was in my 50s. Yeah. I knew what it was supposed to be in my 20s when I first got saved. I knew it. But I kept ignoring it. I kept ignoring it. And I kept ignoring it. And finally, in my 50s, I could ignore it no longer. I had to say, Lord, let your will be done. How many have been there before where you know what your purpose is, but you've kind of been saying, nah, or pushing it off, pushing it off. And ultimately, God never lets you go. When, when that scripture that we read, Jeremiah 29, 11, the promise that God's given you to give you a hope and a future, plans not to harm you, it's for all of you here today. And he never lets go of that promise. You may let go of it. You may fail to follow through on that journey. You may begin to do what you want to do. And you miss out on so many blessings that God has for you. That's the one thing I've learned in living for God is that God will still love you if you don't come to church. He doesn't love you any more if you come to church. He doesn't love you any less. But what people fail to realize is when they're not in connection and fellowship, they lose out on blessings that God had in store for you. Amen? Amen. Give them a clap offering because you know that's true. You know that's true. All of us hopefully have desired to live our lives filled with purpose, passion. And when you do that, you discover and begin to live a meaningful life. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I want to live a meaningful life. God created you to have supernatural purpose. Not just the purpose like the CEO of a, of a company out there. But because you're a believer, you have supernatural purpose in your life. Supernatural, that means God gives you the ability to be able to accomplish that task. Amen. As amazing as it sounds, you were created, you. Everybody say, me. me. To reflect the Lord. You were created to reflect the Lord. You may be thinking, Pastor Ray, you don't know, you don't know me, you don't know my background. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God created you to bring glory, to reflect Him. See, when people see you, they should see God. And if they don't, time out. Let's, let's go back. Let's take a look at this and fix it and make it right. My brother Alex, who did concrete work, if there was a form that was not correct, the slope wasn't right, he would tear it apart and make it right. Am I correct, brother? You would make it right. You'd take a few steps back to fix it. You can't proceed with something that's not right. You have to fix it. And so all of us here have supernatural purpose to be transformed to the image of Christ. Now, that's a challenge. Now, it's a lifelong process. How many know that? You don't all of a sudden discover it at the age of 50 and say, All right, I've arrived. I'm here. I've done it. I'm here. Okay, Lord, what's next? It's a lifelong process. God helps you and manages to give you wisdom along the way. And, he, and he's doing this. He's encouraging. He's, Come on, you can do this. You can do this. You got this. I got your back. And we just have to take those steps of faith to do that. Amen? I want to invite you this morning to just stand with me as I read the sermon text found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. It's on your sermon outline as well. This is out of the ESV version. Oh, there goes a spoon. Oh, that's all right. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 says the following. 
But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the spirit. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that you love us enough that your image would be would be cast into us, that we would reflect that image of God. Lord, I pray that every single person here, every believer that hears my voice today would be casting that image out to those at work, to their family members, at home later today, that the image of God would be represented in their life, Father. And Lord, we thank you for that this morning. We praise you and we pray your blessings now on the rest of this sermon message in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. So again, the, the question this morning is, what is my purpose in my life? What is my purpose? In other other words, to live a meaningful life. What is it? How many, just by show of hands, just do a quick quiz here. How many know really what their purpose is? Raise your hand if you think you know what your purpose is. There's no right or wrong answer here. And that's good. There's some hands going up. But here's what the majority will see. What you can see here is that the majority will say, I'm not sure what that purpose is or I have no clue what that purpose is. That would probably be most of us is, I have no clue, Pastor Rick. I'm new to this. I don't know what it is. And that's okay. It's a lifelong process. Amen? Amen. Your purpose in life, listen to this. Your purpose in life is that which gives you reason for living. The reason why God put you here on this earth. And every one of you have asked yourself that question. I can promise, I know it for sure. You've asked God why I, am I here on this earth? What am I doing here? What am I supposed to be doing, Lord? And the reason why people hurt themselves, commit suicide, because they have no meaning in their life or no purpose. They don't ever discover what that is. And because there's no meaning in their life, they're susceptible to hurting themselves and hurting others. How many know that? People that have no purpose in life can easily hurt others. Amen? Your purpose in life is also an expression of your personal significance to God. Your purpose in life is also a person or an an expression of your personal significance to God. How do you reflect God? When, when, When we look at you, it should be like looking in a mirror and seeing God. Or do, uh, do we look in a mirror and see something else? You know, that's a question. And each of you can answer that. Or better yet, tap your spouse and tell them, answer that for me, honey. And they'll tell you. They'll tell you straight up right now how, how that is. Your purpose in life will be unique to you. Nobody else in this world will have your purpose. You have a unique purpose. You were created uniquely. Amen? Fearfully and wonderfully made are you, the Bible says. You're unique. Nobody has a set of fingerprints like you in this world. Nobody. You're unique. God's personalized a plan just for you. Amen? Just think about that. It, It is amazing. Amen, brother? It is amazing. He's picked you out because he thinks you're unique. You're special. You're significant. 
Jeremiah again, 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That is what's found in, in, in seeking your purpose in your life. But maybe some of you have never felt that. You know what your purpose is because you don't feel significant. Uh, that's, a, that's a common theme, especially with young people nowadays. When I was growing up, we never had young people hurting themselves, committing suicide, and all the things that you hear of nowadays. That just didn't exist. How many know that that, that just wasn't a common issue back then? But I believe social media has a lot to do with it now. Kids get beat up, bombarded on social media. Um, they get torn down. And, and, and kids are not growing up feeling insignificant. Self-esteem is out the window. And they have no purpose in their life. And so for some people here, they may not feel significant. Maybe you grew up in a family that didn't value you. I realize that not all, all of us grew up in a, in a wonderful nuclear family. The mom and dad, the kids, and the dog, or the cat, right? But like, I'm thankful today, my mom and dad are here today. Um, they're, they're in their 80s, and look at them, they're doing great. Give them a big hand, they're here today. I honor them today. I'm thankful that we were raised in, in the house with loving parents. Yes. They gave us significance. But maybe you're here today and you didn't have that. I want to remind you today, God wants to tell you that you are significant to Him. You. you are significant. Your significance, number one, means your importance. It means that you're important to Him. Your significance refers to your personal value and your individual worth. Yes. You're worth a lot to Him. Yes. You're valued by Him. A sense of significance is one of your three God-given inner needs. And do you want to know what these three inner needs are? I believe we have them up here. Our three inner needs are, number one, love. Everybody say love. Love. Everybody wants to grow up feeling loved. There's nothing worse than not showing love to someone. Not showing love. And you know what saddens me a lot of times is, our young, our young girls in our society today, and, and some of our young women, and this goes for guys as well, but you see it more identifiable in women, young girls, young impressionable girls, because they never received love at home from a male figure, because of a family, didn't provide that love, they go and seek it in, in boys, in guys. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? It's, it's so common in our society. And what are they looking for? relationship after relationship, guy after guy, they're looking for love because they were never loved. They never experienced proper love. So they're looking, number one, for love. What does that mean? It means receiving an unchanging, unconditional commitment from another for what is best for you. Yes. And you know what that's describing also? is a loving marriage. Is a loving marriage. Is your spouse unchanging? Is, it, is he, he or she still providing an unconditional commitment for another for what is best for you? That's what a loving relationship is. The Bible says in John 15, 12, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. He didn't say love each other because they loved you. He said love each other because he loved you. 
He didn't say, love each other because he's going to treat you good or because he forgave you. He, he didn't say any of that. He said, love one another because he loved you. Who loved you? God loved you. He said, you're worthy. You're unique. You're valued. That's why he loves you. And we are to love one another in that same way. Amen. So, so the first part of feeling significance is feeling love. And then significance is, again, knowing the meaning and purpose for your life. Knowing the meaning and purpose for your life. Now, it wasn't being a dredger operator for me or, or, or working as a production manager for a food company. That's not my purpose. That's what I do. And, and again, how many know that your purpose can change throughout your life, throughout your career? Where you're at in your 20s is a different purpose than when you're in your 50s or 60s or 70s. Your purpose will change, young people. It will change as you get older. Psalms 57 verse 2 says this, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Who fulfills your purpose? Does it say your job? Does it say Uncle Sam? Your paycheck? No. The brand new car or truck? No, none of that fulfills a purpose. It'll make you happy for a season, but fulfilling your purpose is only found by God filling it for you. Amen? Here's some statements that I want to have you look at, and I want you to read these with me out loud. They're on your outline. Even if you haven't said these exact words, these following statements express a desire of your heart. I want you to read these with me. I don't know if we have them there, but on your outline it says, I want my life. Let's read them together. I want my life to count. I want my life to make a difference. I want my life to be significant. I want my life to have meaning. I want my life to have purpose. I want to have an impact. I want to do something important. How many would agree with those statements for your life? How many want that for your children? Yes. Amen. That should be our, our daily desire and goal for our children, for ourselves, for our church. Amen. And, and one of the, the worst things you can do when you begin to seek purpose in your life is this thing called the comparison game, the comparison trap. You, you can start going on your purpose and all of a sudden realize, oh my goodness, Pastor Rick asked me to speak, but I, I, I can't even speak. You know, uh, you could come up here, I could hand you the mic and you could get tongue tied and say, I, I, I'm not a good speaker. It doesn't matter about how you speak. It's, it's your heart that God wants. Amen. But the problem is we compare ourselves to one another. You know, pastors do that with other pastors. It's a very easy trap to fall into. But God didn't call me to be like any other pastor. He said, you be you. To use my daughter Bianca's line, Dad, just be you. And she's told me that forever because I've told her that too. Just be you. And each of you today need to hear that. Don't be like anybody else. Don't be like Pastor Rick. Be you. Yeah. He created you uniquely, yes, individually. He loves you. He knows the hairs on your head or the lack of them. Yes. He loves you just the way you are. You. Just the way you are right now. He loves you. Think about that. But you, you may be here saying, but Pastor Rick, I've always felt insignificant. I've felt like 
like I'm, I'm nobody, I'm never going to do anything, and I'm never going to accomplish anything, and you may be feeling like that or have felt like that. I think we've all felt like that at different times in our life, and, and especially when we compare ourselves to other people. So number one right now, knock it off. Don't compare yourself to anybody. Throw that out the window. The next time you begin to question, well, Lord, I, I can't lead a men's group. I don't know how to do this, how to lead a small group, how to share a testimony. Well, don't compare yourself to anybody. You do you. Just do you. Amen? Amen. You've already had God-given significance. You've already been given it. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what Christ did for you. What Christ did for you is because you were significant. Amen? You were significant enough for God to create you in His image. The Bible said in Genesis 1 verse 26, you were created in His image. In His image. Man, it doesn't get any better than that. The, the scripture, do we have it up there? Genesis 1 26 says this, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. God made you so important, gave you significance to have authority over this earth. Did you know that? You have authority in God's kingdom. It's time to begin to use that. Amen? Number three, you were significant enough for Jesus to die on the cross for you. The Bible's message is this. If you were the only one on this earth, he still would have gone to the cross for you. Let that sink in for a moment. Let that sink in. If you were the only one on this earth, he still would have gone to the cross for you. That should right there just stop you in your tracks and help you to realize the amazing love, the significance and the value that you have in God's eyes. Because here's what I know that the world tells you quite the opposite. You're not valued. You're no good. You'll never be good enough. How many have ever been told that? You'll never be good enough. You'll never be able to accomplish anything in your life. You'll be a ditch digger all your life. I remember a math teacher. Math teacher. She didn't tell me, but she told that to Billy, this guy that was in my classroom. She said, he'll always be a ditch digger. She said that in front of everybody. Do you, do you know how damaging that is to a, a child? She, she actually said that. I, I remember back then when we were growing up, I, I heard lots of crazy things. I mean, from... Well, I won't even go there. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. But words can be cruel. Words can be cruel. Be careful with how you speak. Your words are either going to be, as I've taught here before, uplifting, encouraging, or they're going to tear down. What are your words doing? What are your words doing? What do the words of Jesus say? They always lift it up. They always lift it up. You were, again, significant enough for Jesus to die on the cross for you. Realize this, Jesus would never die for anything insignificant. He never would have died for anything insignificant. You have value. You have value, every one of you here. Let me read scripture in Luke chapter 12, verses 6 through 7. These are the words of Jesus as spoken back then, but applying to you today. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You are valued. 
You are significant in his eyes. So, number one, we have significance already. We have significance. Say, I am significant. I am significant. Not because of who you are. Not, and be careful with having this uh, attitude of, okay, I'm significant, Pastor Rick, but not to the point of being narcissistic. You know what I mean? What narcissistic means is, is a person that it's all about them. We all know those people. Everything, every conversation always comes back to them. And that's a narcissistic person. And God does not want you to have the attitude that I'm so significant, I'm more significant than you. That's narcissism. Amen. We're, we're all equal players here in this playing field. Amen. But you are significant. So what is God's purpose for my life? So, so my purpose is to, to be a mirror, to be an image of Christ, to bring him glory, to feel loved, to feel significant. But what's, what's my purpose in my life? Well, God's highest purpose for your life is to conform you to the character of Christ. How many would agree with the statement, I am not the same person I used to be? Raise your hand if that's true for you. Amen. Look at the hands around you. All of you right here. You are not the same person you used to be. The chains are broken, as that song said earlier. His amazing grace endures. Amen. And, and thank God for that. Now, I want to I share something here with you on that word, conform. The New Testament original language was Greek. And that word for conform is Sumorphos, which means to be made like another. So, so with that in mind, let's read this again uh, or read this scripture that Paul said in Romans 8.29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son or to be made like another to the likeness of his son. In other words, all of you should be giving God glory should be reflecting the image of Christ. Every one of you should. Even though you have a unique purpose, all of us at the core of our being as believers should be giving God glory. Amen? Amen. Knowing the meaning and purpose for your life, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. Amen. Amen. So what should my... Well, before I go there, God has His purposes for each of you. But how many know that there will be times in, in your life where you'll go through trials. It's not all roses, a rose petal garden. How many have discovered that, right? And, and there will be trials along the way. And even though God's given you a purpose and He loves you and He thinks you're significant, you will go through trials. And, and as a young believer, you may begin to question that and say, God, I thought you loved me. Why are you letting me go through this? God's not letting you go through it. He's going it, through it with you. He's walking through that with you. And the only way we ever have triumphs is when we go through trials. Without any trials, we have no triumphs. We have to learn from the challenges that we have during our lifetime. Amen? That helps you to follow through on your purpose for your life. And, and then through that process, as you've seen, you better reflect the image of God in your life. You better reflect it. Amen? Amen. So the question here is, what should my highest purpose be? What should it be? I want to read a scripture to you found in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. It's on your outline, verses 11 and 12. It says this, In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity 
with the purpose of His will. Again, notice His, his uh, plan and according to His purpose, according to His will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. Did you know that, again, in the New Testament, the Greek word for glory here is doxa, which means an estimate of worth. It's an estimate of worth. So, for example, if you have a, a, a very nice piece of jewelry and you go to a jeweler and you ask them for an estimate, they'll give you an estimate, uh, a written value of that jewelry, right? It's, which is significant, amen? And, and so this estimate from the jeweler accurately reflects the piece of jewelry, what it's worth. When you accurately reflect the character of God, of Christ, you give God glory. You give Him glory. When you accurately reflect the, the worth of God in your life. Does that make sense? The character of Christ in your life. In fact, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31 says the following. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. The, the small group leaders, the men's group leaders, the ushers, the greeters, the worship team. Why we do what we do, and I had a conversation with someone this morning. Why we do what we do is to give God the glory. It shouldn't give the glory to anybody up here. None of us up here should receive any of the glory. It should always go to God. Amen? The minute you see it's going to some person, it's not a God. It's man-made. Amen? Don't ever forget that. So whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And then here's what I want you to be careful in that process of learning to discover what your meaning, what significance you have for your life, what your purpose is. Here's what I have on your outline on the back page. I want you to be careful that you don't seek significance in all the wrong places. And here I've listed some. The wrong places versus the correct places. Let me, read them to, let, let me read them to you. Seeking to be happy versus seeking to be holy. It, and let me just stop there. It's okay. God does want you to be happy, but that's not the goal of life, to be happy. How many know that? Uh, I, I've heard people say, well, uh, I believe God wants me to be happy. Well, yeah, God wants you to be happy, but He wants you to be holy. He wants you to live a life that conforms to Him. And here's what I do know is that when you begin to live for God and your life is transformed, you do become happy. Amen. You do become fulfilled in your life. You do become uh, to the point or come to the point where you finally realize, God, thank you for significance, for value, for love, which makes you happy. And it shows on your face. You come in here looking like, you just had the best breakfast in the world rather than sucking on sour lemons going, you know, because that, that's not a pretty face right there. We want to have that, uh, that look that, that, God, you've done a wonderful work in my life. How many agree with that? Amen. Yeah. Seeking to be religious versus seeking to grow in a relationship with Christ. See, God's not interested in you becoming religious. He's interested in you becoming relational with him he's interested in a relationship with you god doesn't care if you go to church seven days a week that's not the point is your character being changed or is your image now reflecting the image of christ in your life because you can go to church seven days a week it doesn't make you a believer just like 
me sitting in my garage doesn't make me a car. I could, you know, the cars are parked in the garage, but just me sitting in my garage doesn't make me a car. I have to be transformed from the inside out. And when you seek to just be religious, it doesn't occur. Seeking to grow in a relationship with Christ is where it's found. Thirdly, seeking cultural Christianity versus seeking biblical Christianity. What I mean by that is doing what's just popular today, you know. Um, What is it that you heard somewhere out there, whether online or you saw it on TV, and that's what you want to do, even though it may not line up with God's word. Seeking contemporary Christianity or cultural Christianity. Always seek biblical Christianity. Amen? Seeking external do's and don'ts versus seeking eternal obedience of the heart. And that's really important. God's, this life of a believer is not about do's and don'ts. If in your mind you're thinking it's about do's and don'ts, you miss the whole point entirely. That's God's grace. God's saying, no, no, I don't want you to worry about do's and don'ts. I want you to be transformed from the inside out. And when you're transformed, you begin the life to live a life of obedience. It comes naturally to you. Now, how many have found that to be true? Because you can live your life, well, I, I, I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. I, I can't have no fun here. I mean, you can live a life like that. Or you can step back and say, Lord, transform me from the inside out. Help me to take my eyes off of man's rules and live for what you want me to live for and live in obedience of my heart. Because how many know for, for some of you, Doing certain things may be a sin to you, but it may not be a sin to the person next to you. Did you know that? That comes through your life's experiences. And I'm not, I'm not talking about murdering or adultery. We, we know those are givens. God's Ten Commandments are in stone. We are not to break those, right? But I'm talking about certain things. Maybe, maybe the Lord's told you, you got to knock that chocolate cake off. You know, every night, come on now. And if he, he's told you that, It's a sin for you. If he's told you other things, if he's challenged you and you felt that that was from God, then that's an obedient heart that begins to listen to that voice. And it may not apply to your spouse whatsoever. They may not have an issue with that. How many many know what I'm talking about this morning? Amen? So God wants your obedience of your heart. He doesn't care about the do's and the don'ts. He's, he's going to speak to you as an individual and say, okay, let me challenge him on this. Let me challenge her on that and see where their heart's at. Amen. Seeking human approval versus seeking God's approval. That's always a dangerous one. Is All of us want to be able to be told, good job, great job. Hey, great, great sermon, Pastor Rick. Any pastor wants to hear that. And at the same time, we're also going to hear, well, I didn't really agree with, you know, and and we hear that all the time. Don't worry. We get that share as well. But it's not about that. If my life was based on, oh, attaboy, good job. I'm missing the mark. I have to be seeking God's approval. Does God approve of your life where you're at? Does God approve of what you're doing today? Don't focus on what man says. Don't focus on what your neighbor's telling you because that's here today, gone tomorrow. What God says lives for eternity. Amen? Seek God's approval. And then seeking your own will versus seeking God's will. 
Also, again, where we can be misdirected, you come to a why in your life. Left or right, or right or left, if I'm looking at you. And you don't know where to go. And you're thinking, well, that's, that looks really good this way. If I go this way, everything's going to be taken care of. And, and God, you're going to take care of me. And, and this is going to be gravy. And this is going to be nice. And then this way is the Lord's leading you to do this. But Lord, that, that means sacrifice. That means maybe getting up earlier. That means whatever it might be. But if the Lord has impressed you to do that, that's what's best for you. Amen. How many have found that to be true in your life? Where, where God will impress upon you because he knows what's best for your life. Seek his will. Amen. And then the last one, seeking to live for present gain versus seeking to live for eternal values. The scripture in Matthew, and I can't quote it uh, or the uh, reference, but the scripture says, what, what good does it do if a man gains the whole world but loses his soul? Sure. You know, I've had offers in my career where I could be making double, more than double what I make right now, what my wife and I make. And I turned them down because it wasn't about money. How many know it's not always about money? Because when you get committed to that, there's a price you have to pay sometimes. There's a price that comes with that. And so we have to seek to live for eternal values. What's more important in the eyes of God? What will bring you glory, Lord? Will doing this or I'm going to be living like a fat cat? Or is it this right here? What do you want me to do, Lord? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18 says this. Listen to these words. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. Everybody say temporary. temporary. Blink your eyes. Everybody blink your eyes. See how fast that was? Your lifetime on this earth, in comparison to eternity, is even less than that. When you look back at the life of maybe your parents, some that aren't here today, your grandparents, seem like they were just here and now they're gone. Eternity is forever. Eternity is forever. Are you making choices for your life, for, your pur- for the purpose of your life, that have eternal values, eternal rewards? That's where you need to be. Amen? Those are words to live by right there. As I get ready to close this morning, I just want to remind you again, God has given you love in your life, significance in your life, value in your life. Amen? How many are so thankful for that? You have security. Many of us that didn't grow up in that home, that like what I call the nuclear home, didn't grow up with security. I, I don't know that. That's a foreign thought to me. Right? And uh, so, so what I want you to know is that God loves you. He thinks you're significant. And He's always going to take care of you. He's got your back. Yes. Everybody take out your spoon. I'm, I'm going to get to that right now. Take out your spoon. Just like all of us want to have purpose in our life, Every one of you, hold that spoon up right there. Okay, now that was created for one reason. It wasn't created to cut. Many of you have tried to use that to cut, and you know what happens? It snaps. It breaks, because that's what, it was not designed to do that. You can lower that spoon. Just like that spoon was created to do this, put food in your mouth, 
It has a purpose. I want you to take that spoon and just hold on to it. Put it somewhere in your house where it will remind you, God, I have a purpose. I thank you that I have a purpose. I may not know where, where that purpose is right now, but I'm heading there. Everybody say, I'm heading there. And Lord, because, because you love me, because you think I'm significant, because you've given security to me, I know that I will discover what that purpose in my life is. Even if it takes me to the age of 85, 90, it doesn't matter. God will give you eternal purpose. Amen? Amen. The Bible says this in Proverbs 19 and verse 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. How many are thankful for that? See, many of us have plans. I, I told you what I did, and I missed a few jobs that I had. But I did a, quite a few different jobs, and all that wasn't my purpose. That was what I thought. But God's ways are higher than your ways. Yeah. He has his purpose for your life. All that brought me to the point where I finally started to say, Lord, I know what your purpose is. Help me to, to find that now. And, and I started going to Foothill. And then right at that time, the, the Bible college opened up where I could go to college. I went and graduated from Springfield, Missouri, got uh, graduated over there. I mean, it was all laid out. God, God knows what he's doing. And I, I couldn't have, you know, in my blindness, I'm thinking, I want to do it my way. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And God finally just said, come on now. I gave you this a long time ago. I told you a long time ago. And now you need to start acting and step up. And I did. And now I couldn't be more fulfilled in my life. When people say, what's your purpose? My purpose is to share the gospel here with our church. To love on you. Amen. To, to disciple you, to teach you, to encourage, to forgive, to let go of bitterness, yeah. to let go of hate, yeah. to help us become one. See, what I see right here is, is, is a compilation of our, of our culture here in the faces I see, the colors I see, what heaven's going to be like. Amen? Amen? And I love that. That's my purpose. I love it. And God's taking us to another place physically. And I believe spiritually, he's taking us to another place. And it's not about the building. Don't get me wrong. We can have great times in this place, which we have had. But I believe God is going to do wonderful and amazing things this year. I shared with you last week, Anna and I were at a conference, and uh, Ivy attended as well at this conference in Concord. And there was a word spoken while the minister was closing. He was gifted in, in a word of just declaring over people's lives what was going on and he was just calling out different things and we're sitting down and he said I see a, a couple that are here basically in a nutshell here I see that they're moving they're doing they're, they're, they're having a transition in their ministry and you're moving and I've seen the neighborhood that you're in and they're all going to be coming to that new church that you're going to be going to. And not only that, when we went up there for prayer, we were praying for people. And as that minister came up, I told him, I believe Anna and I are that couple you were speaking about when it came to that topic. So then he laid hands on us and he began to tell me he had a vision three days prior of the neighborhoods in this area coming to the church, just flooding that place. But not only that, Bianca had that dream as well. You got your mic, Bianca? You want to just share right now? What did God show you? 
Yesterday, I took Bianca to see the church for the first time. She hadn't seen it yet on the inside or the outside. Why don't you share with us what did God show you and tell us when that when that happened? Um, well, I had a, a dream a couple of months ago um, that we were going to be getting a new church. And at this time, we weren't looking for a church at all. And in my dream, I just remember it was me and my dad, and we were walking through this church. And... Um, he was showing me down, like the hallways and the bathroom, and he was just so excited about the bathroom and all the rooms in the in the building. And yesterday, uh, he took me to this church, and I didn't realize it was just going to be us two. I thought I like the whole family was going to yeah, come. And so, in my dream, it was just us two looking at the church. And then we go down this hallway, and it was just exactly like my dream. He showed me the bathrooms. I don't know why. I just remember the bathrooms. He was so excited. He was showing me the kids' room and where we're going to store our stuff. And I walked through it, and I didn't, I didn't say anything, but I just remember thinking, wow, that was just like my dream. God is so faithful. Amen, amen, amen. God is good, amen. And, and why I just share that is because maybe he's spoken to you about your purpose. Don't let go of that. Don't forget that. If he's called you and given you a word, hold on to that. Hold on to that. God is faithful, as Bianca just said. He never lets go of his promises. If he's promised to take care of you, to meet all your needs, which he has, he's promised to love you, to give you significance in your life, and you've never maybe felt that in your life, security, you are comforted by him. Did you know that? The Bible describes in another place that, that the Lord is like a mother hen and covers you with his wings, you know, as it were. He loves you that much.